Previously in the Bible. The sons of Israel rose out of Egypt in battle array. Moshe summoned the elders of the nation and put the words Jehovah had commanded before them. I am Jehovah. Don't have any gods other than me. Jehovah will not forgive those who invoke his name for silly things. No. Elohim spoke every one of these words. If someone hits a guy and the guy dies, the first guy dies for sure. Anyone who fucks an animal gotta die right away. <laughs> for thousands of years, we've been under the impression the Bible is meant to be taken seriously. Finally, a new translation that'll change all that. This is Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible! We are so professional, we got that right the first time! Yeah, welcome to episode 29 of Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible with me, David Duckman, coming to you in front of a raucous live audience at the Raven Lounge in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania! That's right! Each month on the show, a guest joins me and tries to read as many chapters as possible of my own personal translation of the Hebrew Bible while I make fun of it. And tonight, we are reading the seventh portion of Exodus, known in Hebrew as Turuma and in English as, well, you'll see. Today is Wednesday, February 25th, 2015. I just drove down from New York, and I am uh, exhausted and happy to be here. But what's really amazing about the Northeast this summer is that both in Philadelphia and in New York, I saw frozen ice on the river, so I feel like I'm in Siberia. It's really amazing and wonderful. I just did a show two days ago, and it's not even up on the internet yet. So the people here are hearing kind of a sneak peek ahead. Uh, not many of them have actually listened to the podcast, but they're getting a sneak peek ahead of what the podcast is going to be in the future. We're basically in the future. We're in 2015. I'm getting over a cold, uh, so if I sniffle, please uh, forgive me. And it's actually, I feel like the world is getting over a cold. It's finally melting. Um, I was able to walk outside with my coat open, which in the Northeast is pretty much summer. So that's awesome. Give it up for the warm air. The next, <laughs> it's almost Purim. We're going to drink. It's going to be awesome. The spring is maybe actually coming. I'm really excited. The next show, the next live show is March 23rd on Beauty Bar in New York City with, uh, well, we confirmed a guest, but I have to make it really happen. It's a really cool guest that I'm excited for. But for now, TBD, you'll find out. I want to thank, as always, Juicy.com uh, for being my internet co-partner. They post the episodes every Thursday. Present Tense Fellowship for helping me out. And I want to thank the collaborative Moisha House and Hillel Grads Network for putting this event together. Thank you all so much for putting together. This is an awesome event. I love this bar already. Um, and Jewish Philly. Thank you, Jewish Philly. Um, thank you, everyone, for being here. You guys are awesome. I can't say this enough. You are an awesome audience already, and I haven't even started. Um, I want to thank Wendy Chin, who does our awesome graphic design. Thank you so much, Wendy. I think she's on her way here, but you're awesome, and thank you. Uh, are you guys ready to meet your guest? Yeah! Yeah! Let's get right into it. This guy is a professor at Temple University. In college, he had a band called Furious George, and according to him, they were fucking awesome. His favorite brand is Rush, and he accidentally stole the shirt that he is currently wearing. Give it up for Mark Lucher. All right. Yeah. yeah. How you doing, Mark? Good. I feel like I'm in my element. There's a microphone. There's a stripper pole. I'm ready to go. So. I, one thing that our podcast audience does not know is that our um, audio producer, John Passaro, is actually stripping right now during the show. And the audience is loving it. Go, John! Take it off! Yeah. There's a stripper pole on stage. John is down to his skivvies. It's great. 
Th this is a great city. Thank you for being my uh, my partner on stage for this thing. I'm happy to be here. I, it's not my city. I'm a kind of a recent transplant. I'm Canadian, okay. so you know oh. this is a this is a yeah. new experience. Yeah. Woo! Let's hear it for Canada. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay. The Ringo Starr of the English-speaking world. Exactly. So. <laughs> just keeps the time. It's there. Yeah. It keeps We're everything. We're glad normal. to be part of the conversation. Exactly. So. And still around somehow. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself. You're a temple at university, or you're a, a, a temple at university. You're a professor at Temple University. I'm all of those things. Your body and is more. a temple. Well, yeah, that's, thank you. You know, I'm a married man, so we, we can only no, be I friends. Know. I know, I, I know. And I don't know what the laws are in this state, so I'm not sure how far we can take it. <laughs> but you're actually, um, I, I actually looked you up on, well, what are you a professor of? Sorry. Uh, I direct Jewish studies at okay. Temple University, and uh, I do Hebrew Bible, so this is very apropos. Perfect. Yeah. So I guess you've read the Bible at some point in your life. Yeah, I, I like to say that I have. <laughs> um, it's Did you not, skip a few parts? I skip, yeah. I skipped the part that we're reading tonight. Oh, God. It's just, <laughs> it's just that painful. So I got you to finally read it. Well, thank you. I went, I, I, I did some research on you. I went to ratemyprofessors.com. Oh, no. <laughs> and I found something interesting on your profile. There is a chili pepper that is on fire on your profile because <laughs> you are a hot professor. <laughs> that... So maybe John's not the only one who's going to be on the stripper pole tonight. I know you're married. I, but this is a podcast. They can't see me. It doesn't matter. No, you're right. You're right. For the can't audience, you love me just... for my mind <laughs> and your voice. That's what we're really getting tonight. That's right. Um, you also uh, are an avid guitar maker. Uh, yes, that okay. is true. I have yeah. So you you build your own guitars. Uh, I I used to build electric guitars. It's wow. really labor intensive. So now I make uh, fuzz pedals. Okay, you know. very cool. Yeah, that is. It's How fun. did you start doing that? Um, How do you bend wood? That seems impossible. <laughs> it's well, you don't, man. You just uh, you cut wood with like power tools, and that's very manly. And okay. you know, and you get. It's it's actually really fulfilling because it's a, it just engages a completely different part of the brain than most of the stuff that I do most of the day. Okay. So. Good, balanced life. So Bible during the day, guitar making at night. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Let's talk about religion. Okay. <laughs> um, do you, are you Jewish? I am. Okay. What, do you consider yourself uh, a member of any particular denomination or do you care? That's a damn good question. <laughs> um, I think it's sort of a work in progress, at least for me and I think maybe for a lot of people. Okay. So I grew up in, in the modern Orthodox world. Okay. Had a bit of a, I. Uh, so I had a falling out a little bit with modern orthodoxy. And um, I don't want to say it's like a love-hate relationship, but I just, over the years, other things appealed to me more. And um, I'm not exactly sure where I'd categorize myself at this point, but okay. I'm okay with that. Cool. I mean, I think there's kind of a growing group of people in the Jewish community who don't adhere to any particular denomination and are, are kind of in that same world, and it's cool to talk to people yeah. who are like that. What do you, I mean, you're a professor of religion. Yes. Um, so I can ask you something like this. Uh, what, what do you consider to be religion's role in our lives these days? It's a different thing for every person. It's okay. a different thing in every culture. Uh, the way I see it is that religion is a sort of language uh, that gives people a symbolic way of understanding a world that's much bigger than them and much beyond their reach and something that they might not otherwise be able to internalize and make sense of. Okay. That's a very pat and awesome answer. I practice um, that. <laughs> very good. Um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. For me, it tends to be about like ritual or about kind of the way that you move through the year, something that I've been noticing recently and probably should have noticed years ago. But once you start to consider kind of the agricultural calendar, a lot of the um, 
the things that we do in the festivals that we hold start to fall into place and to make a whole lot more sense. Yeah. I think just a couple weeks ago, I realized that um, chickens start having eggs again in the spring which might have something to do with the fact that Easter and Passover both have eggs as part of their ritual. Well, you might also wonder why the you know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what that has to do with like a large pink bunny that poops Easter eggs made of chocolate. I mean, Yes, yeah, so that's always confused me. Especially the chocolate bunnies that like, hatch from those eggs. Yeah, that make clucking sounds. Yes, very confusing. Yes. It's like somebody's on drugs. And when somehow they marshmallows got involved there. Yeah. <laughs> what does that have to do with agriculture? You don't have to answer that question. I don't, I don't have an answer for it. Okay. Um, so... You've read the whole Bible. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite? We're going to read some stories tonight. This apparently you haven't read in a while. So I guess it's not your favorite story, but what is your favorite story in the Bible? My favorite single story in the Bible? Yes. Um, is Genesis chapter 38, the story of Judah and Tamar. Interesting. Okay. It is. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't say this in my classes, but it's pretty fucking awesome, that story. It's I a pretty it. awesome story. That's yeah. probably one of my favorite stories, too. Yeah. To be honest, um, I originally wanted to make this show because I wanted to translate that story, just that story, and read it on stage in front of people, mm -hmm. and then it turned into doing the entire Bible. So we're pretty kind of aligned yeah, on that. That worked That's out pretty well pretty for cool you, story. Yeah, I think so. Right on. Cool. Um, what is your approach to God? Do you believe in God? Um, let's put it this way. I, I think that there is a God. I will never really be able to know anything about this God. I will only know what tradition tells me about this God. Okay. And I think... Yeah, that's my evasive answer. And, and in many ways, that's more important. That's the best answer if it's evasive. Yeah. yeah. I can be a great politician. Yes, yeah. perfect. Um, and a good professor, too. Yep. What, where do you think this book that we're about to read comes from? Well, this book that we're about to read, if you're talking about the Bible, it's yes. a collection of different books that grew over a very long period of time. Mm -hmm. And you noticed earlier that rituals and holidays and festivals are very practical because they revolve around agricultural cycles. Religious literature is the same way. I mean, people write stuff down for religious reasons, um, but religious reasons are tied to economy, and religious reasons are, are tied to uh, society and, and, and money and security and warfare and lust and all the things that make the world turn beyond the religious world. So I think that all those forces over a very broad period of time gave rise to the Bible, particularly among early Jews and ancient Israelite writers. Interesting. So all of these forces, economic... Uh, philosophical, cultural, mm -hmm. maybe you could call that God. Maybe God wrote the Bible. Unlikely. Okay. <laughs> well, I think those are all the, uh, you know, th I think that's my whole list of questions now. Um, maybe one more thing. How did you get to be such a hot teacher? I eat a lot of oatmeal. Okay. Um, are you guys ready to read the Bible? <laughs> yeah, that's what I like to hear. This is Torah, a loose translation. Book two, Names. Part 7, Tribute, chapter 68, in which God asks for materials for his God pad. Exodus 25.1 to 25.9. Talk to the sons of Yisrael, Yehovah said to Moshe. Tell them to give me a tribute. You'll take a tribute from every man whose heart is motivated. So this is apparently the law received in the 40 days and 40 nights that Moses is up on the mountain, because he just went up the last verse, just for context. So... This is what I want. Uh, it's God's list to send. Yeah. Gold, silver, copper. In the desert, okay. Thread dyed techelet. So the Hebrew for techelet is techashim, or the Hebrew here is techashim. No one actually knows what techashim is. Uh, there are some theories about various mullocks. Um, based on Shabbat 28, Rashi says that this is an animal that no longer exists. Great, thanks. The JPS Bible thinks that techash 
I'm in the wrong place. Fuck it. No, I think you're actually in the right <laughs> no, place. No, 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 no. This is, uh, this tchelet is believed to be the blue dye oh, yeah. that comes from the blood of the chilazon muscle. I was just trying to be encouraging. No, so. thank you. Okay. <laughs> Tchash comes later. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so thread dye tchelet, purple and crimson, white linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, dolphin skins. So the Hebrew here is Tchashim. <laughs> Nobody knows exactly what Tichashim are. Based on Shabbat Sounds oddly familiar. Yeah, Rashi thinks it's an animal that no longer exists. Some people think it's various kinds of seals. The JPS Bible thinks that it's a dolphin, which seems, first of all, really difficult to get in the desert, and also a really fucked up thing for God to make the Israelites kill in skin, which is why I'm using it in my translation. <laughs> shittim wood. So shittim uh, is usually translated as acacia wood. Uh, Rav Tanhuma wonders how they could have found shittim wood in the desert. It's unclear why he thinks finding gold, silver, copper, random dyes, linen, and possibly dolphins is so logical, but okay. We only have a record of him asking about the wood. Anyway, he claims that Yaakov, through a divine vision back in Mitzrayim slash Egypt, knew the Israelites would eventually need this kind of wood, so he planted some shittim slash acacia trees in Mitzrayim and commanded they be cut down and taken when the Israelites left. It's a lot of mental gymnastics for this to make sense. <clears throat> oil for lighting, spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet, spicy incense, shocham stones and other stones for the ephod and the breastpiece. They'll make a sanctuary for me to chill in. A god cave, if you will. Which ends in a preposition, by yes, the way. Yes, I know. Yeah. It's a very informal Bible. I'll hang out there. Follow the directions I'm about to give you when you make the sanctuary and its tools. Which I think this is the biblical source for Ikea, but with worse customer service. <laughs> That's chapter 68, chapter 69, in which God asks Moshe to make him a God box. Exodus 25.10 to 25.22. Make a box of shittim wood. So the Hebrew here is teva. I like to translate teva as box instead of ark because it's so much less exciting. It should be, talk about exciting, yeah. it should be 2.5 amas long, by 1.5 amas wide, by 1.5 amas high. Oh my god, this is gripping. How much is an ama, by the way? It's about a foot and a half. Okay, so it's... <laughs> Give or take. Inexact. Thanks, Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Cover it with pure gold inside. By the way, this is, this is how you can't take the Bible literally. If there are things that we simply will never know, then you can't ever reconstruct it no, or read it literally like we're this. We're never going to find a tachash. We're just going to be yeah. like that... Oh, God. That movie, The Cove, where they kill the dolphins, that's going to be us, and it's going to be awful. I never saw that. Oh. It won, a, it won an Oscar. It was very bloody. Let's get back to the Bible. Yes. <laughs> Cover it with pure gold inside and out. Make a gold molding around it. In a few thousand years, an archaeologist from Marshall College will steal the Ark and use it to kill a bunch of Nazis. <laughs> My students never never get that. No? They've never seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. What? I know. I know. What? I know. What? I'm just putting... <laughs> I make... Well, it's true, but I make it like if they don't see that movie by the end of the semester's over, I... I uh, yeah. yeah, I will. I was them. going to suggest you do that exact thing. So good. <laughs> All right, we're on the right page there. Okay, so make a gold molding around it. Pour full four gold rings for it, and put them on its corners. Two rings on each side. Okay, great. <laughs> Slide the staffs through the rings to carry the box. Keep them there. Don't take them out. Put the testimony I've given you in the box. 
make a lid of pure gold 2.5 amas long by 1.5 amas wide, make two golden cherubs by beating them out of the cover. This kind of assumes that the people reading this know what a cherub looks like, which I guess is kind of the problem with reading instructions for design, but okay. Yeah, but yeah. people in the ancient world probably would have known what a cherub looked like. Absolutely, right? yeah. In fact, if you want to get a sense of it, go to the British Museum and you see images from Mesopotamia, oh, which cool. are roughly analogous to okay, that. Okay, so we can make this today. Yeah, more or less. Make one uh, on each side of the cover. Make these cherubs on both sides. Got it. So God is an awful foreman. They'll have, <laughs> they'll have their wings spread upward, sheltering the cover. The two men will face their brothers. Their faces will face the cover. Very confusing directions. Okay. Put the cover on the box from above. Which is the only way to put a cover on something, but thank you. <laughs> put the testimony I'm going to give you into the box. That's where I will meet you. Weird. I'll speak to you from uh, on the cover. Okay. From between the two cherubs on the box of testimony, I'll say all that I command you to the sons of Israel. Okay, God's weird. That's chapter 69. Let's give it up for the God box. <laughs> chapter 70, in which God describes his ideal table. Exodus 25, 23 to 25, 30. Make a table of shittim wood. <sighs> Length. <laughs> Two amas, height, 1.5 amas. Width, who cares? Cover it with pure gold and make a gold molding around it. This one won't kill any Nazis. It's just a table. Make a, <laughs> make a frame, one tap off around it. Make a gold are molding both, for the... Are, wait, does that buoy Nazis or tables? <laughs> okay. <laughs> make, make a gold molding for that, too. What is the frame made of? Probably shitim wood. Probably, yes. Yeah. Make four gold rings and put them on the corners that are also the legs. The rings should be placed against the frame so they can house the staffs for carrying the table around. Make the staffs from shitim wood and cover them with gold and use them to carry the table. Yo. Make as bowls, ladles, jugs, basins covered with pure gold. So for centuries, rabbis have argued about what specifically these utensils were and what in the world they were used for because they didn't have Netflix and they were very bored. Always have the face bread on it for me. So the Hebrew word for face bread is lechem hapanim, literally meaning the bread of the faces or surfaces. I translate it as face bread because I'm addicted to Facebook. That's chapter 70. Oh. This is so exciting. This is so exciting. I'm I always so pumped. I wondered what these chapters were about because yeah, I never wanted to read them before. Nothing. They're about chapter 71 in which God describes a very confusing candelabra. Exodus 25, 31 to 25, 40. Make a candelabra from pure gold. Pure gold, of course. What else? It must all be beaten out. It's base shaft. Oh, yeah. Beat that shaft, Moses. <laughs> I get, you know how hard it is to make a joke out of this I'm stuff? just afraid to read the next word after the next one because it's also going to be like a penis joke. You'll see. It, we're going to be okay. Cups, knobs. No penis joke. Okay. And Balls. And <laughs> no, also, it's also translated as calyxes. I translate it as knobs because I have no idea what a calyx is. And flowers. Okay. Will be from a single piece. It must have three branches emerging on each side. Each branch will be decorated with three cups, then a knob, and a flower. Do this for all six branches. <laughs> there are four cups on the cake. I can't believe you gave me this to read. Yeah, it's, you know, timing is everything. Somebody had to do it. Yeah, I guess And why so. not a professor of religion? Yeah, I'll just, I'll take one for the team on this one. <laughs> there are four, uh, four cups on the candelabra decorated with knobs and flowers. <laughs> Fucking knobs and flowers. <laughs> a knob under the two branches that comes from it. Another knob under the two branches that comes from it. This made it into the Bible? Yeah. 
and a third knob under its two branches for the six branches emerging. I know people who write papers on this stuff. Yeah. For the six <laughs> branches emerging They're from the candelabra. Nerds. Yes, they are. <laughs> the candelabra, the knobs and their branches will be pounded out of a single piece of pure gold. So, by the way, if that was very confusing uh, to you, you're in very good company because, again, rabbis have argued for centuries over what the hell these look like. Every like every rabbi that you read has a different interpretation. You go to a, like one of those big academic Bibles. There are like various drawings and etchings and sketches of what the possible candelabras might look like. My version is who cares. I I will interject one thing yeah. if I can, um, and I'm not like buying into this too much. But the stuff that that made it into the temple was supposed to be like a twilight zone of sorts. It was the world in miniature. Okay. So this is supposed to represent like all all flowers and all... And all cups and knobs? All cups and knobs, like, <laughs> everywhere. Beautiful. It's just all cups and knobs. I see the cosmos and the cups and knobs. The knobs and their branches will be pounded out of a, a single piece of pure gold. Make seven lamps for it. Okay. Mount them so they light from the side. Sure. Make the candelabra's tongs and fire pans out of pure gold, too. Make the candelabra and its tools out of a single kikar of pure gold. Whatever that is. Watch and make the pattern you've seen wait, on the mountain. Wait, there are patterns? You really couldn't draw this out? That would have helped so much. That's chapter 71. Oh, God. Oh, God. That's all we've got time for this week. Remember, you can talk back to me on Twitter, Facebook, omgwtfbible.com, or omgwtfbible at gmail.com. If you like the show, please rate and review it on iTunes. If you're in New York City, please check out the next live recording of Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible at Beauty Bar on March 23rd at 7.30 p.m. with comedian Katie Lazarus. And don't miss a show, because next time, in the Bible... This is the week in synagogue where the rabbi's just like, fuck it. Fuck it.